Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome back to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. It is Alyssa coming to you solo today uh, because Dakota had the nerve to feel ill today, so she couldn't attend our recording. But um, I'm excited because our guest today actually is is, is a friend of mine, so it worked out well because we're just going to sit and chat like we normally do on this podcast. But um, Kim Page is a is a friend of mine who I've never met in person. And we, in typical like 21st century fashion, are social media friends who have like social media besties who have been friends for, I don't know, multiple years um, through initially Twitter and then other Instagram and things. But we have watched political debates together over Zoom and all kinds of things. And we get into um, chats on DMs. But We've never, because we were both busy, busy people. I mean, Kim more so because she's an actual mom um, than me, but never meet in person. So just goes to show you how relationships on social media can be actual lifelong friendships as reality. Anyway, welcome uh, to Ladies Who Launch, Kim Page, who is also a entrepreneur. She has um, a marketing company and does tons of business work with businesses on digital marketing campaigns, all that cool stuff, which we'll talk about. Um, she's a single mom of three girls. So she's going through that whole empty nest stage now, and she's taken a few of them off to college. Um, but in more interesting story that we're going to talk about today is her transition from sort of typical entrepreneur into a new venture that has kind of come about as a result of a few major life changes in the last few years. So I'm so happy to even see you virtually, Kim, and that we get the chance to hang out today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Alyssa, and see you and yeah, have another virtual hangout as online besties. Yes. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Two Gen Xers of all things. Yeah. Like people would I know are online I friends. But I think it's been this way for maybe like 12 or 15 years already, like since the beginning of Twitter, I think we, we were early adopters of yeah. finding really good, genuine friendships online long before pandemic. I think we've been working up to this for a long, long time. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that as Gen Xers and everybody thinks that, I mean, we are the forgotten generation and we can talk Absolutely. about that <laughs> later, but we've always been the early adopters on all yeah. technology because we grew up in a time without cell phones and all that stuff but we were the first ones maybe to get phones in our room I, I had a phone in my room as a kid and that was a very big thing I had my own but like we were we, we were part of the VCR shift and yeah. shifting all levels of music platforms from yeah. eight tracks to tapes to CDs to stri- like we've lived through it all and so it's interesting <laughs> that everybody sort of looks at us like oh but we've always been the early adopters on all these yeah. platforms I think that means we're also the ones that can say yes to vinyl, but we're not we're not going back to um eight tracks. Like like that's where it ends. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm fully done repurchasing my music library now. Exactly. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not whatever sets again. Like, no. <laughs> Just no, no. We're we're, like, we're the final say on how digital media gets shared. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I think that's why we're actually the most learned and most mm. in demand for digital marketing work right now. And I will, we can sort of talk about that, but everyone thinks that Gen Z is, or millennials, young millennials and Gen Z are kind of where it's at in terms of the online. And yes, like in terms of the workings of it and algorithms and how that all works, I think they right. understand that. Yeah. But in terms of actual strategy, we own that space. Yeah. Because yeah. we get it. Yeah. Analog to digital. That's yeah. that's our entire lives. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of transitions and sort of going through things, mm-hmm. you've had some things over the last few years that have change your trajectory a little bit. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I uh sometime during the pandemic and I lose track of time because I had my own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the pandemic to me was almost secondary. Um because well about five years ago I'd I'd been in involved in a car accident that kind of set me back on <clears throat> falling through on some of my hopes and dreams in my business. And we all have setbacks, things happen. And I I recovered from that through a lot of hard work in physiotherapy, through some soft tissue injury stuff, which is not really part of my transformation in my life, but it was definitely the beginning of having to adopt an idea of letting go of things that no longer serve me because I had no choice. And um, I reached a point where I was feeling absolutely peak of my game, best time in my life, ready to relaunch some other things in my business. My kids were getting older, um, just feeling great physically at my peak fitness since my 20s, (laughs) not peak fitness, but peak. And um, around my 49th birthday, I started to not feel well. And two days after my 49th birthday, which was New Year's Day, I had a stroke. And, um, I have no heart disease. I have no reasons to expect a sign of stroke, but I had a stroke. Uh, one of my daughters recognized symptoms ended up, um, being rushed to the hospital by, um, my then husband and, um, got on medication right away. And, um, if you get medication from stroke, uh, within three hours of a stroke, it significantly improves your chances of recovery. Um, my stroke symptoms, um, were mild relative to other people. However, what I didn't realize upon leaving the hospital after three days during the pandemic, so I was by myself for three days, which when you're a busy mom of teens, it was kind of a holiday. I'm not going to lie, even though I was there for really terrible reasons, had a great view of the mountains. And it was just like time to think and recover for three days, um, all by myself. And, um, but I left with the message that, I would recover and be fine. Um, And I I think it was because during that time, everyone was just busy and the protocols on care um, just kind of fell through the cracks. And I'm not upset about that. It was a difficult time. It was beginning of pandemic. Everybody was learning how to manage. Um, But it wasn't until about three months later that, and I, I was not bouncing back. I was not feeling great. I just felt like I was in a fog and had really strange symptoms I couldn't really explain. Um, that somebody pointed out to me that a stroke, being that it's a clot that goes to your brain, um, is a traumatic brain injury. I'm like, oh, wow. Now I feel stupid on top of having (laughs) basically concussion symptoms. That makes a lot of sense. So I began a process of um, being, I found language to be able to talk to my doctor finally to be able to explain what I was feeling and began a process of care through 
our health system and a program um, that had an occupational therapist that walked me through really incredible steps of learning how to manage your days when you aren't managing your days. And it's in that program, it's called planning and pacing, but it was really um, an a ground shaking transformational um, moment for me to realize that the lessons I was learning were the lessons I should have had all along because leading up to this, uh, yeah, a mom of, of kids, three, three daughters, I started my self-employment business when they were toddlers. I always say toddlers to teens, even though one's an adult and one is going to be an adult very soon and one's in grade 11. So I've passed the toddlers and teens era, but um, busy mom, they were in sports. I was running a business, trying to keep a home, trying to be a good wife, trying to be, you know, yeah, trying to be a great friend, trying to be, as I call it, um, we're raised to think we can do anything. And I, I heard that. And then I did everything. So after my stroke, I realized, holy crap, I, I can't do everything. I was never able to do everything. I have to let a lot of stuff go. And what happened was I started analyzing my things that were obligations, um, things that were actual obligations, like you have children, you're obligated to your children, um, obligations to self-care and truly being honest with myself about what kind of self-care I was doing and what kind of life I wanted to live. And again, the, the stroke was actually caused from a hole in my heart. So I hadn't done anything per se. I had to get that fixed, but it was still like a there's shame and there's things that come around having things happen to you in your life that stop your life in its tracks again. So, um, kind of addressing like, what are my obligations and then peeling back the layers of my life and figuring out what in all of this do I actually need to do and what do I want to do? And when I looked at it, I realized almost everything is a choice. Yeah. Almost everything is a choice. So fast forward to through healing process and, um, my marriage had started to, unravel, I guess it it wasn't dramatic, but it was just unraveling through this whole period of my self-caring. And, um, last spring, last April, 2022, um, we got separated after 21 years married and 25 years together in June. I had my heart fixed and I've just, um, realized that in two ways. I'm now wholehearted. My heart is fixed and the rest of me is fixed. And and it's a process and it's a journey, but it was a journey of really deeply analyzing what are all the things, business, even things I was doing for my kids, um, in my marriage for myself that is no longer serving me and letting it go. And that made room for so many things that feel better and help me feel aligned and centered as a woman as a Gen X woman, just a woman who happens to have a few obligations and a whole lot of opportunity to create my life however I want for the rest of my life. I don't want to to sound (laughs) insensitive or a weird question, but do you feel that if you'd had the stroke, you would have dealt, you would have discovered these things about yourself or was it the health situation that was the impetus for you to have these reflections. I think I would have got there 
eventually, but I think that our generation of women have a terrible habit of just accepting our obligations as, as our responsibilities. And we don't deeply analyze whether they actually are our responsibilities or not. So I think I was possibly on a trajectory to just stay maybe benign in everything I was doing the way I was doing it, because it looked like I was checking off all the boxes as we tend to do in a correct way. Um, but I was definitely feeling un uncentered. And I talk about being centered a lot, like this feeling in my body that just lets me know that I'm not my happiest. I'm not living with joy. And I, I suspect I would have got there eventually, but I think what, what having any life event does, and we all have life events, some not as dramatic and traumatic as mine, but we all have life events is eventually it hits you over the head and makes you pay attention. So what I think it did is maybe fast track something that would have happened sooner than later. And I'm grateful. I think it gave me permission to look at my life in a different way. And I think it allowed me to really um, step up and prioritize myself for the first time in a very, very long time. And I think that's a gift that came out of it that um, has ripples now. So tell me about the process of that. So you're going through the healing um, of your physical self, obviously, after the stroke and you're discovering, you know, you're holding your heart. Mm -hmm. And then these other issues that obviously were there, like the issues in your marriage and all those sorts of things were already there, started to manifest. What is the process of, of not explaining, but bringing your kids in to understand that like the changes in mom just aren't a stroke, but these other things are going on and mom wants support with this and mom wants to change some things. What was the discussions like with your girls around those things? They were remarkable, to be honest. Um, obviously there's hurt um, and pain that goes along with change in a family for children too. But what I felt was going on was that they had been seeing me the entire time exactly as I was. I feel like in lots of levels, I've always been honest or strive to be really honest with them when um, I was struggling and drawing boundaries and helping them draw boundaries and learning how to just coexist in a family of five. And I think a lot of what um, a lot of what was faced, we faced together, and we always had. So the conversations with them were really, honestly, um, champions of me, oh, and it's okay. really beautiful. Like, um, yeah, and kind of co-champions. It's it's remarkable. I'm actually incredibly blessed, and um, doesn't mean anything's easy, but. Yeah, it feels like um, we became a team and just a lot of championing and them seeing me, warts and all, not being perfect, not expecting a lot. Like there's demands, like teenagers have demands, but not inappropriate demands. And I feel like as I let things go, they just naturally picked up the ball and took on their own responsibilities as well. 
And I would say a lot of it has to do with their ages too. Luck and timing of their ages being at ages where they were ready for more responsibility. And that was probably going to happen anyway. But we also sold our house this spring, which I guess is another huge transformation and maybe the final big transformation and moved into a rental. And um, of course, rental market, housing market, scary, really scary. It was really hard. I think the hardest part was two months of crying, trying to figure out what kind of home can I find that I can afford that also has space to paint and have a workspace and workspaces for my kids and going to school um, in this market. And I lucked out eventually. But as soon as we moved, the space that we have, it's bright. It's not big, but there's space for everybody. A sense of zen, a sense of peace. The, the change and the transformation felt like it was done and a new beginning started the second we changed environment. So I think environment really has to be considered part of the factor here too, that if you can create a safe space that feels um, like home and home is the people you're with, um, the plants I have, <laughs> a couple <Yeah>. pets, <laughs> um, that's enough. And it's not the stuff and it's not we were a traditional family with a big house in the suburbs and a big yard and a trampoline and all of the all of the things. None of us miss it. It's None of us. Kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say champions and we became a team and we manage. We manage because um, we have to, um, but also we want to for each other. And I, yeah, I feel blessed. It's beautiful. Well, when you talk about plants, I can see your plants in the background. <laughs> I got them. I also see these amazing paintings behind you, behind your head. And no, we are not recording this for video today. Sometimes we do, but today is not a video day. So people can't see them, but um, they're beautiful, bright flowers. They're, are they acrylic or are they watercolor? They're acrylic and mixed media. Mixed media. Yeah. Is, so obviously you are artistic and have been artistic your whole life because people just don't learn to paint. So I assume that this is a, they're beautiful, by the way. I mean, I want the one on your left, I guess. Would it be your left? The, the blue one. The blue one. I want that one. Um, I think I saw that on your Instagram, but I was like, I want that one. Anyway, um, obviously this is come back. This, this situation and this sort of transition has brought this back to you because I can't imagine that you were putting up paintings in your old house of the work that you had done. Correct? No, I wasn't. Um after my stroke, I started painting just for me in a journal and, um, I got bored and decided I need to go bigger. I need to try canvases, but it was absolutely part of what I was talking about that. Um, I decided to prioritize me as part of a healing process after my stroke. And, um, I hadn't painted in the last time I painted, I had three tiny little girls and I painted a mural in their rooms. And, um, didn't really develop it as a habit. I have been doing art my whole life, but yeah, probably had not for 20, almost 20 years, 15 years. Uh, so after my stroke, it just became something because in, in my stroke recovery, neuro fatigue, I had to learn how to unitask and I'm an overthinker. 
busy mom, busy work, lots of clients to unitask when your brain is always full is really hard. So um, picking up paint and just focusing on paint and trying not to be a perfectionist because I, I can do still life drawings. I can, I can replicate anything. My art is abstract florals, not super abstract. <laughs> that's a stretch, but abstract florals being able to just let loose and be free, incredibly hard for me, but that was the practice that I decided to to take on. And then at some point during um, the transition of leaving my marriage afterwards, um, I rented a little loft, a little pied-à-terre. I'd pretend I was in Paris or, or New York. <laughs> and I set up, I set up the whole thing with it was a one-room kitchen. I got this lush green velvet day bed um, that now belongs to one of my daughters and uh, just had room, like one room plus a bathroom. And I set it up like a little art studio, art everywhere. I miss that place. Do not have the luxury to still have that and a home for my daughters, but one day. And I just painted, I painted every day. And to my absolute shock, that period was the saddest, most difficult part where I was grieving, letting go of a lot of things in my business because I changed aspects of my business too, which we will talk about probably. Um, but letting go of my marriage of 21 years, which I I loved my marriage for most of my marriage. Um, it just wasn't a right fit for either of us anymore. Grieving what I was doing to my kids and a lot of guilt and shame around that. So a lot of horrible feelings were in my head. But when I painted, what came out were incredibly vibrant flowers that are joyful. And I don't know why I need to keep analyzing that, but my early conclusions before, you know, I go to a therapist and help unpack that. And maybe I don't need to, it just is. I think it's because one of my firm beliefs, which I alluded to was when you let go of things that no longer serve you, it makes space for other things. So while I was grieving and letting things go, I was making space for a hobby that I love and that I've turned into, I've, I've made some money painting, which is really nice as a little side hustle and um, really rewarding, but it made space for joy. So while I was grieving, I was also not feeling, but experiencing and creating pure joy. And I think that's magic. And through that process, I think it's that it's given me that centering that I was looking for as well and and has become a launch pad for everything that's followed. Well, I know that you kind of had to be pushed into that art show I did. last June. And <laughs> I think that was a huge win for you in terms of um feeling that you can be a professional artist and that it doesn't have to be a hobby and I know you've launched your art Instagram where you're showcasing and selling your art and this will all be in the show notes too so people can follow um Kim's art page and see the work that we're talking about that you currently can't see um but from a work perspective because as we did mention you are an entrepreneur you've had your own marketing business for like 20 years or whatever but how Obviously, you you had a, you have an outlet now, your creative outlet that you've rediscovered through through art. But your work and your business also has to have changed through this process. And how were yeah. those conversations with your clients in terms of shifting and what that looks like? I think that shift is still happening. There, there's a duality in the kind of work that I do. Um, I have a particular client that I still hold dearly. That is technology, 
innovation, pure marketing and sales. And um, I get to nerd out on on that aspect and practice the digital pieces that are constantly changing and keep my brain sharp in the pure marketing context, which we know is necessary. And my brain being sharp takes a little bit of extra effort some days, obviously. Uh, So that's fine. The rest um, is just an evolution of, you know, honoring, honoring those commitments and letting them just go naturally. And that, um, that has happened and just made space for me to be able to invite in the other work, which is my work around quitting the hustle culture Mm -hmm. and redefining success. But that's really bringing me back. It's, it's changed. It's, it's quite different than what I was doing, but in a way it's also brought me back to where I was before that car accident I mentioned where my, my work life, when I had my three kids and client work and doing marketing was, I had maybe 10 or 15 clients at a time. And I was doing workshops for women in business that I would create that I love. When I think of my other passions beyond painting, standing in a room, talking with and to other women. Love it too. So love it. Yeah. Yeah. I light up. I I get shaky and nervous because I, I know it's important to, for us women to get in a room together and have these conversations around business. Um, And what would happen at that time was, which I, is part of my reflection over the last year is trying to figure out what do I want to do for my business next. I just kept coming back to the fact that I can help people in their businesses from a pure marketing and business point of view, uh, of course, as can you with, you know, a few decades of experience behind us. But the conversations that always came up we're also around our lives and how our lives interfere with our dreams and how our lives interfere with finding success and the kinds of dollars we've spent on mentors and traveling to go see these smart, lovely Californian um, keynote speakers and digital creators and like just all the dollars and times and heart and soul invested into things that uh, didn't come to fruition. That always made me cry because I'd be like, "We're right here." I know. <laughs> but I was the same. I was admiring and having imposter syndrome from these other early digital adopters that I realized just had completely different lives, and they're 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 living in places where they're, you know, just going for coffee and they're meeting other mentors because they just all happen to live in the same zip code. Um, so there's a lot of reckoning there too. Of like, we're we're just different. We're in a different geography with different people. But I I've come full circle to realize that's our gift. That's our talent. We're down to earth people. Um, our generation is invisible, and we have stories to tell that have to be told, not just that we should want to tell them because I think we choose not to because again, oh, it's okay. We're just the glue between all these generations that are falling apart or taking advantage of the systems. Hello, a few older folks yeah, or or just riding along the waves because what other options do they have younger generations? Yeah. Like, I feel like we're the glue, but our our stories that digital to analog story and everything we've learned and everything we know in between has to be told. So my shift in my business around quitting the hustle culture is also adopting the same notion of what I've gone through about how do we get to telling our stories and believing 
that we have the right to tell our stories, giving ourselves permission to tell our stories and believing that our stories have value too, unless we start letting go of the things that don't serve us on whole as a generation and making space and time for that to happen. So permission and um, being kind to ourselves, being incredibly honest about the BS that we tell ourselves to make excuses. It's um, it's a journey, but it's a journey that um, I talk to ambitious women. That's really my avatar and my focus is anyone who considers themselves ambitious, but not quite there yet. This is the secret sauce. I figure I figure it's letting go and making space and giving permission to do it different. Yeah. And it's interesting that, um, I mean, obviously Dakota who isn't here is, is, is the millennial in the two, some of us, um, older millennial, super younger millennial, but it's been interesting for me to, to interact with, um, her as, as a partner and a, and a, and a friend, because the, the total, the work style and sort of the feeling of having to put in your dues and like work your way to the top that we all worked through as young gen Xers in the workplace that we are still having like PTSD about. Um, that just isn't, doesn't compute with them. And in, in, in deference to Dakota and other millennials, like Dakota, like was probably in her late twenties when she started her company. And I just would never in a million years would have considered I was I was experienced enough or, or anything or like who would, who would want to hire me at 25. But that's one thing about this, the, the, the interacting with millennials and even now as some Gen Z starts getting, getting into the workforce is that we, for, for as being the forgotten generation, we have been the weird generation that has straddled this world of being too deferential to our boomer parents and our boomer bosses, because that's how we grew up. So yeah, we were always very deferential to authority. Um, But then as the younger generation started coming up, when we were mid-career professionals, we were kind of like in all of them, because they just didn't put up with crap. And we're like, how do we do that? Like, how how do we not put up with crap at work? And then with our experience and our definite like men boisterous sort of mentalities we were able to take that millennial like not putting up with shit and implement it and i think that that last part of gen x as those of us in as senior career professionals whether we're entrepreneurs or in the workforce we're pushing that harder than anyone now because yep. we had to live with the first part of that yep. as career professionals and so i find that the gen xers as professionals um, have sort of the most insight into the workplace now, both from the older side and the younger side, because we've been in the middle of it. And a good friend of mine, Michelle Skierman, I'll name drop her because I know she listens and she's awesome, who used to be a, um, a journalist with Global, who also um, has her own um, PR uh, communications company now. Uh, we'd gone for coffee months ago. And I remember her saying to me, and she's sort of, she's an exer too, and she's got like, kids around your age as well, um, girls as well. And she she said it, something really interesting to me and it sort of stuck because you sort of mentioned it just now too about um, 
understanding and sort of shifting that feeling of, of always having to be busy and her saying to me, I want just enough clients that I'm, I'm okay with. I have no motivation to have 8 million clients running at the same time. I can handle this many, like I can handle three or four at a time. And I'm happy with that. And I'm sort of at that point too. And I'm still at the like sort of shame struggle about it. Like, Oh my God, I should be busier or like, having an afternoon nap and feeling bad about it because like, oh, I should be like on it. But I have fully sort of, I'm leaning into this. No, I want just enough work that makes me happy and working with people who are doing awesome things and on projects that are great. But I don't want to be juggling 20 or 30 clients at a time. I can't manage that. And I am not of the mindset that I want to run an agency. And I've mentioned this many times. That's not for me. I don't (laughs) have staff or any of that nonsense. exactly. What is manageable to me is this. And I'm I need to start being cool mm-hmm. about this being manageable to me instead yeah. of thinking that I'm missing out or that, oh, look what all they're doing though. And I see them on new client this and new client that on Instagram and thinking that I'm somehow behind. But I'm like, no, I'm behind just, I'm just then. like 15 years, 10 years older, 15 years older than them, and have realized that. That isn't happiness either. No, that's not happiness. I think happiness and joy is figuring out what are all the pieces of a whole life that bring you joy. A whole life. And and business and work is not a whole life. I think it serves a purpose. And I think we meet so many incredible human beings that fill our bucket because we're interacting with people when you're when you're in service to somebody and helping them transform their lives or their business life or whatever and we get to create a little ripple in their life that fills us up too so that feels joyful and we can walk away and if we do that multiple times with multiple people we're lucky that we're in service businesses where we get to help people and that that helps us feel good but but that's transactional too like it's still business and yeah. it's not I still want to be paid yeah. It's, and so it's not, it's not a whole life. It's not what a whole life is meant to be. So I think, um, I think a mature response to aging when we're also not aging that fast and we have lots of opportunity to live a really healthy, happy life for many, many more decades is to throw out everything that we think we're supposed to do and get rid of that language which is really hard, the supposed to use and the shitting all over ourselves. We we do that all the time. Our internal dialogue is constantly navigating the shoulds. Get rid of it all and create a blank slate of, but I get to create my life exactly how I want to. And nobody's stopping me. And, and like I say, like there's very few obligations that are actual obligations. I'm obligated to make sure my children are emotionally safe first and foremost feed them have a shelter over their heads build them up to be responsible capable um, human beings how I do that and everything else around that is subjective and I can recreate that and and if I misstep they'll tell me Um, and everything else beyond that is a choice there there's there's very few things in our lives that we're committed to that is not a choice 
we cannot choose when unfortunate health things happen to us. Um, we cannot choose when unfortunate health things or challenges, recession, financial things can happen to you. We can't control a lot of things that are big and scary, but we can control how we feel centered and what brings us joy. And the stronger we are in our center and the stronger we are in our pursuing whatever we whatever makes us feel successful in our whole lives, when those things happen, the easier it is to recover. And it, and it doesn't have to feel like an entire change in your personality. And I think at first, that's what it started to feel like is I, I have shame because a health thing happened to me. And this changes how the world sees me because my business has to stop. And I realized my entire definition of who I was was around how I raised my kids, how I ran my business and how the world was looking at me. Nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared, oh. which is also earth shattering. So realizing nobody's also watching, not really. No. So so if you can't make m- bigger, small shifts for yourself, then why are we here? We're here to grow and change as human beings anyway. And our generation has been stuck in place for too long. I love what you said about how in, you know, it, particularly in the corporate environment, which a lot of us left. Yeah, we all did. In our 30s, 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that are still there, thank goodness, they're so much needed. And I, I think it's, I think those of us that are in our 50s, um, late 40s, 50s, the older Gen Xs, have started to give ourselves permission to take those roles on that have been earned. The meritocracy that we were told existed does exist in those corporate places. And they're stepping into those roles now as they should. And thank goodness, because that's where one of the huge shifts is going to happen in society that needs to happen because they will look at it in a different way. And I, I believe it's also because like you said, we admire the younger generation. Mm My other motivation for myself and for other, the rest of us in this generation is recognizing there's a lot to learn from those younger than us, but we're the role models. So let's take what they're teaching us and make it better and stronger and then deliver. And they're expecting it of us. So let's step up as well in a totally different way instead of being doormats. Right. Yeah. And use our voices and our experience to help elevate them. Um, And I've said before that because we didn't do it for ourselves as Gen X and we didn't fulfill our obligations to change the world like we thought we could and should have, I will do whatever I have to to help Gen Z do it. Because those kids, man, give zero Fs about anything and I will help them do whatever they need to do to do what we didn't do for ourselves. Here's the um, red carpet. What else can yeah, I what do? Is, money, <laughs> time, what do you yeah. need? Because yeah. I'm here to help. Yeah. Um, but what we were the two things um that you said are gonna lead me into this other conversation here about joy and about our Gen X stories and being able to share our stories and experiences, Gen X leads into my learning and having been a part of your most latest session with this Gen XO community that you're building and this um, platform that you're creating um, that I was proud to be a part of with your session the other night and what it's going to lead to. So 
share a little bit about what, cause it's just not, it's just getting out there. So now's the time, like for all the Gen Xers that are listening to this, here's your opportunity to get involved with, with Gen XO. Thank you. Yeah. Gen XO community, Gen community. Cause you can pick whatever URL you want now. Um, funny enough, I created it in November of 2020 and I saw a Facebook post and you'll have to remind me what was happening in November, 2020. I think it maybe was a U.S. leadership debate because I had made it. It was the elections, wasn't it? U.S. presidential. Maybe because I'd made a comment about Kamala, Hillary, Maya Rudolph, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. (laughs) I don't know. There's like, there must've been, yeah, I'll have to go back and look. But anyway, November, 2020 was the inception of Gen XO. And the vision I had for it then is a little bit different than what it is now because we sit in something for a period of time and ruminate over it. And then you have a stroke and then it takes a while to get back to. Yeah. So um, so it's it's launching now. Finally, it was intended to launch a month and a half when I had my stroke. Um, but I'm grateful for that because it has helped allowed me to ruminate. Like I said, the gen XO, of course, an X and O is a hug and a kiss. So for me, I want the community to feel like a love letter. I feel like I have a lot of capacity to give empathy and compassion for the journeys that we're on. But also I know that we're another, the language in our heads A lot of it is such BS and we talk about midlife crisis and obviously I've had lots of crises, (laughs) but I I never want to feel, I don't want to feel toxically positive, more cliches about anything, but I also don't want to live in that space where I feel bad longer than I naturally should feel bad for whatever's happened to me. So um, another way to look at midlife crisis in language is existential crisis. We talk about that, the crisis of existing and I, I can joke about it, but I also know our generation very much feels a lot of anxiety around just existing today um, in, a, in a really big way. When I talk about some of the things in my classes and in the past and on the most recent session that you're on, the feedback I got was, I cried, you made me cry. Not a cathartic tears, but also a release because of that that crisis around existing, but the XO is existential opportunity. I see everything we've done up to this point as an opportunity for a different trajectory. So the idea around the community is definitely like a big hug just to meet people where they're at with whatever their journey is with no judgment, because we all have stories. We all have things that have led us to this point and then figure out what's next. So it's to lead it's to lead us through figuring out what's our living legacy. We're all going to have a legacy. The legacy already happens because we exist and we're still alive and we've done some stuff. Our living legacy is, but what do we want that to look like? And do we want our story to be told? And if so, we better get ourselves together and create some artifacts of that, do some art, write a book, do a podcast, journal, create a business, build your hobbies, see your passions through. It does not matter what it looks like, but we all have talents and we all have passions and we all have things that we can do. So we we should be doing them if the concept of having a living legacy that somebody's going to look back for, you know, in the future and be like, "Oh yeah, Gen X was here too." 
or wow, Gen X was amazing. And that keeps me up at night. Yeah. <laughs> really keeps me up at night. I don't want it to be like, oh yeah, Gen X. And it's all like boomers and millennials, boomers and millennials. Oh yeah, Gen X. I I hate that idea. So I'm hoping a lot of people really like the idea of like, I should take my living legacy a little bit more seriously and put a little bit more structure around it. And I, I think the bookend is quitting the hustle culture, letting go of the stuff that no longer serves us and inviting in what I'm calling a new definition of success. And success is not our goals and the things we achieve in my mind of thinking, because we all want more money. We all want to travel more. We all want more things. Um, I want less things, but we all have things that we want. Um, and, and that's great. Let, let's assume that that's what, but that's not success. Success is what do they say about boomers? The person with the most toys wins when you die or whatever that expression is. That's not us. We Mm -hmm. don't care that much. No, we don't. So, So if we've been told that's the definition of success and we don't believe it, then of course we're going to have an existential crisis. We don't know why we're here. So let's decide. Let's redefine success. And to me, success is um, an internal job. It's how we feel. It's how we experience things. And it's how we communicate and emote those things through what we do. And um, it sounds beautiful and simple when I say it. It's hard work. But the work that I'm doing is to take us on that journey. And again, it's for ambitious women. Not every woman is going to resonate with the idea of like, let's let's get rid of stuff and and invite joy and do the work of like being successful in a different way. That's fine because we're all different people. But for anybody that has that feeling where they're they're not enough or they're stuck and they have not fulfilled whatever their destiny is meant to be full, meant to be. And they don't know why I think I figured out why. And I, I think I have the process. So, um, I'm, I'm a business growth strategist, really. That's what I've been for 20 years. And I, I feel like I'm also a personal success coach. And, uh, so that's the, the journey that I'm going on is helping people with their personal success. If they've got these ambitions and I'm launching pro I'm launching programs. I have like free, free content and free support around quitting the hustle culture, but I'm launching support for coaching around the success journey and the building the living legacy, um, piece to help people along who want that. And they want, a community to be able to do that in under Gen X. So that's awesome. And I, I remember when you did soft launch it, like um, in November 22 and, and I was like, what, I don't, whatever this is about, but yeah, follow. Cause it's Kim. So I'll follow her. <laughs> and it's interesting, like a year, almost a year later of where it sort of landed. Cause I sort of, I think when you first launched it, you might've been in a headspace where you wanted to rant about something because it seemed a little ranty. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I'm up for a rant and getting Gen X, Gen X, rant. Gen X women into a rant. But then Look that, at us. I think that was the yeah. rant. We're not invisible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to see how it sort of um, morphed even in this matter of time and where it's going to go. Um, I'm really happy because a, as a Gen Xer, I'm also one that has always felt invisible in my career and, 
personally and all that kind of stuff. And we're all the same. Um, and still feel, even though I'm an adult, that I don't know how I, like, how am I an adult? Like, I'm not, I have no concept of what it means to be an adult. Like what, it, how are we here? What is happening? I'm that person too. Um, so it's yeah. like you get this moment and it's like, I need to talk to other people of my ilk because again, I think I said earlier, and it could be the same for a lot of people, like my network, aside from my best friend, who's also a Gen Xer, but most of the professional contacts and sort of my other friend network are all millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not that different in age, like four or five years, but still it's, it's still positive to hear of another, of a Gen Xer, Gen X woman wanting to bring together the Gen X community because Gen X women community, because we are forces. We just don't like to talk about it because we're insecure, not insecure even. It's just that no one's ever asked us to talk about anything. So we kind of, I think that's what it is. I think we're quietly incredibly powerful and confident. It's the quietly part. We're just out there doing the things that we do really, really well and not talking about it enough. And there's a lot of people out there talking a lot and doing things half-assed and and not well and not with the depth of care and concern that we bring either. And they're they're great or they think they're great. I don't know if they're great. Not my place to judge if they're great, but that's exactly it. We're just, we're quietly confident and powerful. And the quietly part is maybe where I'm asking us all to be, let's be a little bit louder. Yeah, because I think when we do speak, and I will say this with zero ego, but when I speak, people listen. My friend group listens, my professional group listens, because they know I know what I'm talking about. So we need to understand as Gen X that maybe we're not the ones shouting all the time, but when we speak, people do listen, and they do take what we say with care. Um, But my best friend and I had this have always had this idea that we wanted to have a conference because we are of the same ilk that, that you would mention that these conferences are all like, it's like, they're really geared for millennial, like younger millennials and it's all flashy and it's all like people talking about their courses and crap. And, um, and they're always sort of very junior. Like a lot of the professional conferences that I've attended are always sort of very junior in, in their content level. And we always had this idea that we wanted to host a conference for senior career professionals, women, otherwise, and call it slow burn because (laughs) as Gen Xers, we have all been slow burns. Like we have, have taken the, the time and been very methodical. I don't know, methodical is not really the right word, but methodical about how we have grown our careers. And we deserve credit for that. Like we have, we have not been flashes of bright lights. Our whole tr- career and personal development has been a slow burn. And this, like your Gen XO is that in a non-conference form, but it's the yeah, same yeah. idea of like, we are here. We have basically held up corporate work for the last 25 years because we've been printing off pdfs for our boomer bosses while also (laughs) like managing the like incoming millennials and their like hour and a half lunches that we ended up adopting um in our world but we have been like the peacemakers for so long between the boomers and the the millennials who do nothing but 
yeah fight amongst each other. And I always have this saying that's like, okay, boomers, millennials, there's a whole generation in between you that is kind of irritated by both of you. Yeah. But just, just, yeah. I I want to say just go away and let me do the work, but you're already going away and just letting me do the work. So that's also not the solution. (laughs) I think your slow burn idea is great. It also made me think that we have a habit of doing slow burn out. Yes. Yeah. So finding the, finding, yeah finding our flame and keeping it like really bright and shiny finally, instead of burning out. I think, yeah, I think that's the antithesis. But I will say for all the Gen X listeners, and I know there are many, um, we are coming into our own. We are finding our voices. We do need to become more of a community, which is why I like this whole um, Gen X community idea is that, um, we need, sometimes we need others to tell us that we're awesome and others of our same age and experience level and all of that. And I think, honestly, Kim, this is probably going to be a huge um, blow for, blow up for you um, as it starts to roll out because there are so many um, Gen Xers that are mothers, professionals, otherwise that are just like, I'm tired. But I just want someone to see it. Yeah. And I just want somebody to see me. Yeah. See the whole me as I am. Flawed. Crap's happened. Just see me and love me as I am and and support me. I think that's something that our generation is. Um, some of us are really bad at. Some of us want to be good at. And some of us are good at is women supporting women. Um. I also just feel like enough is enough with competing with each other. And I don't think we're naturally competitive. I think we're incredibly self-competitive and that, um, and we've been invisible and some of the most ambitious of us have, we've had no choice to except to fight and claw to get to certain places. And I don't think that's necessary anymore. I think, I think if our, like you were saying, women of our, age, our experience, our knowledge, have the confidence to believe that um, supporting other women just is expansive and it helps other women, it helps us grow, helps everybody, then we're better off. And I think there was a time and place where women of our generation really did have to fight to be seen, especially in corporate, but also in relationships and in society and fight against the things that are not the most appealing or attractive about us because we also grew up, let's be honest, in an era where we were told to look thin and beautiful and that what thin and what beautiful look like is a arbitrary standard, but somebody decided and we've been yeah. competing with that too. And um, enough is enough. We're all beautiful, exceptional, powerful human beings that need to support each other. So we're powerful individually. Imagine us together. I just, I right. get excited. I just gave myself goosebumps. <laughs> I just, oh, I think it's houses. a beautiful yeah. thing. So yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to do all the things now in our forties, fifties and beyond that we didn't do in our twenties and thirties and like, just yeah. watch. Like, yeah. Just watch, just watch what space. happens. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, as I said, all this is going to be the Gen X with community links and all of that info is going to be in our show notes. So please, 
um, like follow and, and, and go connect with Kim because she is awesome. Um, and I get to say that is like her online bestie. <laughs> but um, as we wrap this up, I mean, we could talk for hours, but um, as we wrap this up, I want to end with two, two questions. One is what are you reading right now? If anything, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm actually rereading a book that is 30 years old called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Oh. It's um it's for creatives and it's spiritual leaning and I'm not um I'm not religious at all and I'm a bit spiritual I guess but it's not why I'm reading it. So it's um anything that's faith or spiritual in it uh, even she says like just insert whatever you want here you can you know insert elmo or whatever um so it's it's taking a spiritual look at the creative process but i if anybody's ever heard of the idea of morning pages or like waking up every day and writing all of your thoughts to get them out of your way as an overthinker I need my own process for doing that, but that's a big part of just one thing that she recommends. And it was her that initiated the morning pages idea, I believe. Um, so I, I'm reading it um, not to help with my art, but just to help ground me so that now that I know what it feels like to feel centered and joyful and make decisions that are correct for me to feel successful in my life, I want to stay there. So I highly recommend this book for anybody that has a creative soul, but also just the idea of just managing your day um, in a way by starting off right. And then tools and tips on, on building habits that kind of help keep that trajectory. So the big outcome of that book for me has always been when you wake up, the first thing that you do has to be for yourself. And if the first things you're thinking are negative thoughts and that little voice inside our head that says, be busy, get up, go work, worrying about, I wake up all the time worrying about things related to the ugly realities of being a single mom with three kids. Um, this helps me stay grounded. So it's it's a great book, Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way. Awesome. And is anyone or anything inspiring you right now? Um, my daughters, of course, are inspiring me as incredibly thoughtful generation Z children who have grown up through a pandemic um, and have managed to keep their head on their shoulders and go through the changes that we have. Um, the conversations I have with them around society and culture and um, social constructs is just mind-blowing. So them and every one of their generation. And I'm a big proponent proponent of giving the vote to anybody over the age of 16. <laughs> if an adult chooses yeah. not to vote, give it to them. <laughs> I would sign that. I would create that petition. Um, also, Mel Robbins is um, another mm -hmm. podcaster that I've just like, oh, everything she says right now, I'm eating up because yeah. it feels like it aligns really tightly um, with who with who I am. And yeah, I would say that's like really my focus. I, I limit a lot of my external attention right now as I'm focusing on myself, but um, I'm also 
dating and that's a big head game. So if any of your uh, list future listeners want to message me and chat about how to keep yourself <laughs> feeling your best self and centered through a dating process, that would be great. I think I'm figuring it out. But um, yeah, that's a whole other yeah. thing for another time. <laughs> we can do it. Enti- we, we have and we will continue to do entire episodes yes. about dating because yeah. Dick yeah. and I have seen it and done it all and yeah. uh, it's right now I'm enjoying it let's uh when this yeah, keep, keep in that headspace because yeah yeah that's my goal yeah, however I'm yeah. feeling today the goal is to stay feeling this way um thank you so much Kim for your time I think these conversations are seriously valuable as we Gen Xers start to assert ourselves more and I am looking, I, and I'm sure everyone else are, I'm looking forward to seeing where Gen XO community, uh, takes, appears and advances over the next five to 10 years as we, we advance in age and time. <laughs> decade. Beautiful, powerful Gen X women. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun chatting with you online bestie and, uh, we'll see you on x or twitter or wherever we land wherever we land yes thank you and thanks everyone um for listening and we will catch you on the next episode of ladies who launch thank you for listening to ladies who launch join dakota and Alyssa every second wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on facebook and instagram if you send us a question we may answer it on a future episode 